Welcome to the University of the Free State Career Services Podcast, where we talk to experts about the ins and outs of jobs and share tips that will give you a grip on your future career. Hello and welcome. I am Kate Poon and joining us online today is Judge Johannes Defew, a judge of the Free State High Court, born in Kimberley in the Northern Cape. Married to advocate Belinda Ann Defew, a former prosecutor, magistrate, state advocate, amongst other things, blessed with two children aged 38 and 35, and in his professional career, he's practiced as an attorney, notary, and conveyancer from February 1980 to July 1989. He's practiced as an advocate whilst a member of the Free State Society of Advocates, He's practiced as an advocate in the Kingdom of Lesotho for many years and specialized in commercial and labor law. His clients included the Central Bank, Lesotho Highlands Development Authority, Lesotho Breweries and the Lesotho Electricity Commission, as well as the Lesotho Telecom Commission. He's acted as a judge in the Free State Division for several years. Since the 1st of January 2012, he's a permanent judge of the High Court of South Africa in the Free State Division. Since 2016, he's been the president of the Lesotho Court Martial Arts Appeal Court, acted as a deputy judge president for the Free State Division during the third term of 2018, the fourth term of 2019, the first term and part of the fourth term of 2020, and from the 15th of May 2021 to the 18th of June 2021. He's also acted in the Supreme Court of Appeal for six months, so that's from June till September, and in April and May of 2023 this year, he's also an additional member of the SIU Tribunal from the 1st of May 2022. Judge Defew has accomplished many achievements during his professional career. And I say many because there are too many to mention. Please Google him if you may. Um, I could go on and on and on and we will not finish this interview. So let me welcome Judge Defew. How are you doing today, Judge? First of all, thank you, Kate, for inviting me. Uh, I'm, I'm well, and I, I hope the same with you. I am well. Thank you for your time. So, Judge Daffy, before we unpack your job, tell me about the best day in your career. When was it and what happened? Well, I'll have to, I'll have to give three days because, you know, my career spans over nearly five yes. decades. <laughs> Uh, I, I think the first is when I was, uh, when uh, SILC, that is AC status, Senior Advocate status, was conferred upon me in 2009. The second is obviously when I was appointed to the High Court bench, as you've mentioned, from the 1st of January 2012. And the last, my first appearance in the Supreme Court of Appeal on the bench there, uh, not, not as advocate, but on the bench as an appeal court judge, that was from, uh, that was in, in 2022. Amazing. And I think just for interest's sake, I just want to hear from you with being in the um, legal fraternity and so ma- for so many years, do you still remember the first time you appeared in court? Yeah, but that uh, I remember that very well. Um, and I must say, I had a so-called mentor that went with me uh, to the criminal court. And um, my little guy, he was about 70 years old, and his father and mother were divorced. And um, he used his uh, stepfather's vehicle the two guys, he and his friend, and they were driving around in town. And he was then charged with theft of the motor vehicle. 
Now, I took my mentor with so to assist me. And um, after the hearing, I was so proud that there's no way that they could convict this guy on, on theft. But um, nobody told me, and not the mentor also, that um, it's possible that a competent verdict would be use of a motor vehicle without consent. Mm. And, um, you know, I was flabbergasted when the magistrate asked me about that and I couldn't say anything. And then when, when also when uh, it was sentencing time, I said the problem is he doesn't have a father that can, you know, put him on the right, right track and, you know, mm. give him a hiding when necessary. The magistrate said, well, the court will do that. And at those days, they could still, uh, you know, issue corporal punishment <laughs> so he got six <laughs> six of the best <laughs> no ways um so judge tell me about your journey so from being young and just thinking about when you were a student you've acquired your llm in tax company and insolvency law you also have an mba and i don't know what else i'm leaving out but i just want us to for you to share in your journey would you say it was a straight or a winding road for you well, you know, it was much better than many of, uh, uh, you know, the underprivileged people and uh, disadvantaged people in our community. But for me also, I couldn't start full time, study full time. I did the, my first one and a half years full time. And then as a result of financial constraints, I had to get a job and then did my first degree, the, the last two and a half years there of um, uh, part-time, that means that we had to go from work quarter past five until 10 o'clock in the evenings uh, and do night classes. And as a result thereof, I, I couldn't immediately start as advocate because I did a BPROC and not an LLB. Mm. Uh, we had to those days, you had to do a BA or a BUDIS LLB, which would be five years and uh, not four years like the BPROC and, or the present LLB. So it was difficult for me whilst my buddies were... Uh, going to discos and bars and whatever, I had to sit in the library and work, uh, you know, during the night and the weekends. But um, eventually I I managed and I and I got through it and um, became an attorney, a conveyancer and, an, uh, and a notary. And uh, as a result, you know, I it wasn't easy to become an advocate then. I did my LLB thereafter also part-time and um, it was also a constraint because you've got to if you want to become an advocate at those days you had to do pupils for six months without getting paid so it was a financial constraint but eventually i got to become an advocate and from there on the road was obviously much better but that first few years um, uh, was a bit it was tough so let's travel through time a bit and I want us to reflect and let's say you didn't find yourself in the legal and advocacy space because what else would you have liked to do apart from what you're doing now? When when I was still a kid, when I was at school, uh, high school, I really thought that I would become a, a, a teacher getting to the varsity and, be, you know, and, and um, training for, for students because I was quite a good sportsman and uh, I thought that I could make a contribution towards the coaching of, of students uh, and learners uh, in the athletics and rugby scenarios. And I really thought that, you know, I'm a good trainer and I'm a good, you know, facilitator. And I, I like to train people either academically or otherwise. And uh, but then Petrocelli, the, the TV show came up and that um, it looks so fantastic to, to see how an advocate 
uh, investigator and whatever appears to be this fantastic guy that wins all these cases. And I thought that is, and many of my, my colleagues at the time or my friends decided, well, that's the way to go, go to the legal profession, but it's mm. not as, as easy as it looked on TV. <laughs> all right. Now back to real life and we're not coaching a rugby team um, and you're now, um, you know, a judge of the high court. So you've been in the field since 1980 and you almost, you said it's almost now um, five decades. Uh, would, what would you say makes you good at your job to still be so relevant and so present um, in, the, in your field? Yeah, uh, my, my motto in life is uh, tenacity trumps talent. And then in brackets, 90% of the time, because there are talented, talented people that do not have to be that tenacious and still mm. make a success. But uh, for me... I believe that discipline, self-discipline, tenacity, hard work um, are very important, but especially as a judge, you must have an open mind to listen to both sides and, um, you know, to be able to be, to be persuaded by good and thorough arguments. You know, you cannot go into a courtroom um, and, and already decided beforehand that this is what you're going to do. You know, you must you must be able to have an open mind and and be persuaded, if necessary, by proper argument. Um, I didn't even ever think of it that way, that every time you go, you need to actually go with the mindset of being open to persuasion. <laughs> um, so if yes. someone is listening now, would you like to add on to that? Well, I would say all of the above is very important, mm. but I think more so for students, I would like to add the following, and, and that is, as I was sitting in the library, still the old library at the, there in the, before the new one was built, the old legal library, evenings and evenings and weekends, I learned a lot by just reading reported judgments and law books and I would say that one must read widely. You must read the reported judgments and the law books. You must make sure that you are acquainted with the law or the specific areas of the law that you are specializing in. It's obviously sometimes difficult to specialize. Say you're going to specialize, for example, in say consumer law, and then you get an instruction on, on building law, mm. building construction work. And, and then you've got to obviously you know, get yourself acquainted with that field of the law. So the whole thing is, is be a learner all the time. But for me, most important, you can't, cannot become a judge from the varsity. You've got to go through either becoming an attorney, magistrate, or, a, or, or an advocate. And for me, and what I've seen with my training of, of the pupil advocates and also at the varsity, the legal students back then, is that you must have practical training. That must uh, be offered to students. There must be mood courts and it must be role playing. For example, uh, how to lead evidence, how to cross examine, and how to uh, present meaningful arguments to the to the judge. So, uh, once you're a good litigation lawyer, either an attorney or an advocate, you may become a good magistrate or a good judge. But uh, you know, you you have to have those skills beforehand, and then um, once you've got that, you will have the the experience to, to become a judge and, and then listen to the guys that's uh, sitting in front or standing in front of you. Mm. Um, but that is, that is for me as a student, very important that one cannot just, you cannot just read the books. You must have the practical experiences. 
every job has its stuff. And so what would you say would be the hard or the mundane part of being in the legal profession? Yes, well, you know, my sons were the one an engineer and the other one an, uh, an accountant. They they can't believe, even from school, their varsity or school days, that I would come to court with stacks and packs of documents and files. And, you know, nowadays everything is, or most of the things are on computer, but we still make use of of the hard copies most of the time. And, um, you know, you get 5,000 pages of papers that you've got to prepare for a case. But often many of that are just, just endless papers uh, that are not, uh, some of that um, are not required, they are irrelevant, but you've got to go through them to decide which is relevant and which not. And the same with listening to evidence, you know, sometimes you can't understand why is this counsel taking us through the evidence of this person? It seems to be irrelevant, but you can't stop him all the time. You've got to listen because he might get to a point. The difficult thing that people do not understand is that cases are, you know, you don't get easy cases. Well, you do get, but most of the cases that come to court, are they hinge on a, on a knife edge. Mm and can easily uh, be, you know, decided one way or the other. And the struggle to find which facts are to be accepted and, and then to apply the law to those accepted facts, uh, that's that's very difficult. And, you know, you do this evenings or weekends. Sometimes it's difficult to, to you know, to, it's cumbersome to write a judgment. Uh, cases are not that straightforward, you know, and that that's, that's hard. Before we wrap up, Judge, I want you to share with us, because I think also from a personal view and working with students, I always see, you know, law looks like it's glamorous and there's certain things or certain realities that some of us on the outside don't know about the profession. So is there one secret that you can share with us about being in the legal field that someone on the outside would never guess um, about it? You know, judges, and I've seen that um, wherever I go, when you sit as a team, you know, in the SEA, the Supreme Court of Appeal, there are normally five judges. In the High Court, on a appeal bench, there can be two or three judges, depending on whether it's a full court or not. Then you find that even during conferences, after we've listened to the, the arguments, then the, the judges come together and, and uh, have a conference. And you'll find that, that judges will, after the presentation of argument, change their minds. You know, you come up with a prima facie view and think, well, this is what's going to happen. Then your colleague tells you, but have you thought about this argument of Mr. So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so? And and then then people change. One must understand that, you know, you're entitled to change. And for example, uh, you know, when you sit on your own and you've got to write a judgment and you might think, and you might even say it in court, but it seems to me that the plaintiff must win. And then you go to your chambers or your home and you go through the papers again and the evidence and you say, yes, like um, you've I've already started writing the judgment, but at a point I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to dismiss the claim. Uh, and, and you're entitled to do that, you know. Uh, mm. So uh, I think people don't understand that judges are just also people. Uh, they're open to persuasion and they're open to to changing their views. Mm. And I and I, I think it's good in one way. Sometimes people say, no, but you must stuck to your original view. But but persuasion is, that's why, why advocates are there and, and lawyers are there to to come to court and try to persuade us. Other, you know, 
and and we've got to be open to that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good secret because people will think, oh, well, this judge has already made up his mind, you know, and uh, whatever is going to happen, you know, that will be the case. And it is not so. We've reached this, what I always say is the second favorite part of um, the conversation for me. And I'm going to ask you five questions. So I don't want you to think too hard um, like you've been doing. And you're going to just share with me the first thing that comes to your mind. So it's a this or that. Are you ready for the questions? I'm ready. Okay. First one, coffee or tea? Coffee. Sweet or salty? Sweet. Remote or on-site? For an old man, still on site. <laughs> Definitely. Um, finish this for me. Every morning, I... First, I have a cup of coffee. Of course. Um, and my favorite word is... For the joke, well, first of all, tenacity is my favorite word. As I've said, that is the way I live. Mm. But then uh, for the for a bit of a... To be on a light-hearted manner, ching-ching. That means uh, that is uh, cheers in Italian. Ching-ching. Okay. <laughs> All right, Judge Johannes Dufer, um, thank you so much for your time and for bringing your valuable wisdom and knowledge into this conversation. I think I thoroughly enjoyed it and learned so much. And I know our listeners will also walk away with a lot of knowledge too. Kate, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thankful to you for the opportunity and it was nice to speak to you. And I think if, if the learners, especially, well, in all fields, not the legal mm. field, I mean, if they can understand that, you know, hard work is relevant and we must, you know, do role playing. You know, you cannot, you've got to do, I look at the cricket players, the rugby players, they do role playing all the time so that they make sure that they've, you know, that they are perfect. We, we try to, to, to get to perf- perfection. We're not going to make it all the time, but we try to. Definitely. Oh, thank you so much for your time and um, thank you. That's it for now. Listen to all our episodes to make sure that you get into the fast lane of career success.